You're listening to Country Life with Keith Fahey on Galway Bay FM. Good evening, I'm Keith Fahey and welcome to this week's edition of Country Life. On the show this week, I'll be talking to Matt O'Keefe, editor of the Irish Farmers Monthly magazine, Tom Murphy, uh, who's a Chagas Dairy Advisor, and Rachel McNamara, who won the Macron Affirma, Queen of the Land. Plus, we have all the latest from the Mart reports and any farming news from across the country. And to get in contact with the show, please uh, give us a shout on countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. So that's countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. If you have any queries or any topics you'd like covered or any questions, uh, don't hesitate to email us at countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. So just in relation to some um, of the Mart reports, some uh, so in Mount Bellew, Mart cattle sale on the 23rd of November, the special sale of stripper cows at uh, this sale met with a strong trade. Uh, the sample prices for cows included the following: uh, an 850 kilo cow selling for 1690, six, uh, 610 kilo cow sell, selling for 1140, a 645 kilo cow selling for 1320. Uh, bulls and heifers also met with a strong trade. A limousine cross bull uh, weighing th- 315 kilos sold for 840. Three Charlie cross bulls weighing 225 sold for 750. A limousine cross heifer weighing 325 kilos sold for seven or 950. One Hereford cross uh, 2021 heifer weighing 595 sold for 1570 and the cattle sale on Wednesday evening uh, Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. gates open at 4 p.m. Uh, in person and online with the Mart I app. Um, on value Mart sheep sale um, on the 26th of November of, of November uh, there was a smaller number of sheep on offer to previous week. Stag yo's met with a slight improvement. Uh, lighter lots of store lambs were a similar trade to the previous week. However, forward stores met with an improved trade. Factory lambs met with a very brisk trade with prices up uh, by 10 to 12 euro per head for heavier lots and just some sample prices there from the Montbellion uh, sheep sale uh, sample prices for lambs include 7 yo lambs uh, weighing 44 kilos selling for 140 8 ram lambs at 52.5 kilos selling for 156 12 ram lambs at 42.3 kilos uh, selling for 116 kilos and then some prices for stag yo's uh, 88.5 kilos sold for 140 386.5 kilos uh, sold for 150 and then on to some other match reports so the Tune Mart report, there was an exceptional trade on, on uh, Tune on Monday, the 28th of November. Uh, some sample cow prices include a 755 kilo limousine cross made 1880 or 249 a kilo, a 755 kilo limousine uh, cold cow made 1950 or 258 a kilo. Then onto some sample heifer prices in Tune, 450, a 455 kilo limousine cross um, heifer made 1330 or 292 a kilo, a 545 kilo limousine cross made 1700 or that's 312 a kilo. Then just some sample bullock prices a pair of uh, 445 kilo Charlie cross bullocks made 1400 or 315 a kilo a pair of two, 547 kilos limousine cross bullocks made 1570 or that's 287 a kilo uh, some sampling hef, weanling heifer prices include a 295 kilo Charlie cross heifer made 1020 or that's 346 a kilo a 295 kilo limousine cross um, heifer made 980 or 332 a kilo uh, 365 kilo Belgian blue cross uh, sold for 1250 or 342 a kilo and then some sample whaling bull prices included a 285 kilo Charlie Cross made 1,010 or 354 kilo and next Monday the cattle sale will be a day sale commencing at 11am sheep sales every Tuesday at 5pm booking and inquiries to 093 So first up on Country Life we're delighted to have Rachel McNamara so Rachel is uh, the queen of the land uh, she won the Mockery competition and I suppose firstly Rachel congrats uh, on winning the 56th Tullamore Credit Union and Mockery queen of the 
Land a fantastic achievement um, and winning the award. So I suppose, Rachel, you might give our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe where you're from, what kind of farming you do and how you got into the Macra Queen of the Land. Thank you very much, Keith. So, Keith, um, I suppose I'm from Newtown Shandrum in County Cork. Um, I come from a dairy farm. Uh, we're milking 200 um, pedigree Holstein Frisian cows. Um, I've been very, I'm very much involved, I suppose, with the with the Camogie Club as well in Newtown. Um, I'm currently, I currently hold a role here in Salishan Agricultural College, um, Palestinian County Limerick, um, where I'm a college technician. I won the the Queen of the Land competition uh, just a couple of weeks ago, so. I was representing um, my regional um, mockery club, um, Avendu. Um, so uh, basically, I was nominated. I I was nominated by um, the Avendu uh, club to participate in the Queen of the Land after winning the titles round in in the in, in our region. Um, so it was an honour for me to be part of of the competition. It was so lovely to meet the twenty seven girls who were competing. From all over Ireland, um, I suppose it was a really fun weekend. I suppose it started off on the Friday where we met at the Bridge Hotel in Tullamore, um, where we had lovely afternoon tea. Um, then I suppose that evening, then uh, we met with our escorts and we had our on-stage interviews. Um, then on Saturday it was a busy Saturday morning, so we were getting the makeup and the hair done early Saturday morning. And we had uh, in-person interviews then afterwards that morning. Um, then we took a tour of the Tullamore Dew, uh, where is where the whiskey is made. It was it was uh, it was lovely to see. And then that evening, then we had the the banquet followed by the results um, of the competition. And, and the results were you won the competition. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Very good. Fair play to you. Fair play to you. And you mentioned there you also play Camogie. Anyone that's familiar with hurling or Camogie at all will know the the new town Chandram is famous for its hurling and Camogie with um, the O'Connors there making the hurls and all that. So it's a it's an area steeped in hurling also and Camogie. It most definitely is, yes. So uh, we're currently uh, intermediate in the Camogie um, in Newtown. So we're putting plans in place now again for next year, trying to get trainers organised and things to get the year rolling again in January. So we're looking forward to that. Very good, very good. You also mentioned there, um, Rachel, you have a, a herd of pedigree cows and you also do some showing of cattle. Maybe with some of our listeners that mightn't be familiar with the, the process of showing cattle, maybe you might explain what's involved to this for anyone that mightn't be familiar with the concept. That's right, yes, uh, Keith. So, um, as I said, we come. I we've a Holstein uh, pedigree herd at home, so we go under the Barna Holstein prefix. Um, so we do get involved in the shows all around the country. Uh, be our local show would be charitable show. Um, then we'd have we're I'm involved. We're involved in the Limerick and Clare Frisian Breeders um Young Members Club. And uh, we hold our say our club YMA show, uh, which would then you'd then uh, say first and second prize would go forward to the the All Ireland Finals, the Nationals that is held in Killian Hill in Kilkenny in July. So that's a big show for us. Um. So then also we we compete say the National Dairy Show in Mill Street. Um. And we 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 travel to Tullamore and Virginia and all all the other shows throughout the country. 
Um, I suppose what's involved in showing is, I suppose, firstly, I suppose you try and pick out an animal that you think is suitable for a show. I suppose basically what a judge is always looking for is, I suppose, an animal with a hard top line, good depth of rib, a good balanced animal with good legs and feet and dairy characteristic. Um, so I suppose what's involved in training, I suppose, firstly, you have to train your animal once you've selected which one you're going to show. Um, so I suppose it that takes that takes a good couple of weeks. Um, and I suppose you just have to keep at it. Um, then I suppose the other thing as well, I suppose they'd be on a different diet. I suppose really to your your ordinary calf or your cow. Um, they'd be I suppose higher feeding involved. So you might have uh you know be feeding um hay to your calves, and I suppose your cows then would be probably getting additional say ration mixes uh throughout the year as well. Okay, and you mentioned their dairy traits. What maybe would they look for uh, in terms of dairy traits? Are they looking at yields or confirmation of other? Or I, what exactly would they be looking for in, in terms of um, competitions? Yeah, so I suppose in I suppose it's based. It's they'll be the judge is looking at what's in front of them. He the judge will not know what the animal is yielding. So I suppose when a cow, I suppose you want a cow that's a uh, good other attachment, good venation. Um, Good centre uh, with a good centre ligament, um, that would be say for your other, and then I suppose you want good legs and feet for 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 the animals to walk on, um, and I suppose a, a good uh, depth of rib as well. Okay, very good. And you're also teaching or lecturing in um, Palaskinry Ag- Agricultural College. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this, maybe, um, and what your role entails here? Yeah, so um, I'm a college technician in Clean Agricultural College. Uh, so my role um, involves uh, delivering practicals and skills uh, to level five uh, Green Cert students. Um, so the skills I deliver are across uh, all uh, beef, sheep and dairy. Um, so I suppose uh, the Green Cert is a, is a practical is a practical course uh, where students uh, get hands-on experience working in the farm, uh, be it getting animals ready for the factory, uh, locomotion scoring, body condition scoring, um, signs of health, uh, nutrient management, um, and then I suppose the sheep as well. We'd be doing a lot of, I suppose, foot bashing. Um, students then are involved, I suppose, in calf rearing, calving cows, getting animals tagged, and uh, so forth. Very good. And what course did you do yourself, uh, Rachel? Um, I, I completed a uh, general agricultural science uh, in the IT in Tralee, which is now known as MTU. Uh, so I did an honours degree there for four years. Very good, very good. Um, and I suppose just in relation to the, you know, agriculture going forward, you're highly involved in your local area, Avandu and uh, New, New Newtown Chandram. Uh, you're working with agriculture. You know, are you positive about the future of agriculture for young people going forward? Yes, I would be very positive. Um, we recently held an event there um, with IHFA um, on our home farm and it was so lovely to see all the young members um, on the day and who were so enthusiastic about the breed and I suppose about learning uh, learning for their career in the future in agriculture. Um, I suppose there is some challenges that lie ahead uh, with uh, climate change um, and I suppose emissions. Um, but I think we should see the challenge. We should use these cha- challenges as an opportunity, I suppose, to improve our way of farming, and I suppose to be more sustainable and and be get the most profit out of the 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 business um, overall. And maybe what advice would you give to anyone thinking of maybe joining Macra? 
Um, I definitely give them, uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, I suppose Mocker is a great way of uniting people, uh, making new friends. And I suppose there's such a variety of activities that you can get involved in, be it going to your table quiz on a Friday night, stock judging, public speaking, um, your soccer, your sports. Um, and I suppose, like, what I find is I, I have friends throughout the country because of Mocker and being involved in IHFA as well. Very good. So Rachel McNamara, Queen of the Land, uh, we, we really appreciate you um, coming on Country Life. Um, thanks very much. Thank you very much, Keith. Country Life, brought to you by your credit union. Personal lending, from small to big. Celebrate the special occasions in life with a personal loan from your credit union. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply. So next up on Country Life, we're delighted to have Matt O'Keefe. Matt, you have a very long history in the agri-media and agri-leadership roles um, while also being a farmer yourself. Um, so I suppose since, just a quick question, since your time maybe, um, since your time being Mocker President, what changes maybe in the priorities from a farming point of view have you seen change in the last 20 to 30 years? Yeah, Keith, long time since I've been Mocker president, but there have been huge changes. And even I, my, my farming career would span the era from just before the introduction of milk quotas up to today. And one of the most uh, impacting of events uh, from a European perspective was the imposition of milk quotas. It was during a time when we were expanding cow numbers on the home farm here. I, I had just started farming a few years previously with my brother, and until quotas were lifted in 2015, that really did hinder progress. So to me, that was one of the, the huge changes. And of course, the McSherry reforms then uh, in the early 90s uh, really changed the focus from uh, protecting um, food prices in terms of supporting those to uh, uh, providing the money instead as a, as a um, a reinforcement for farm incomes. And, and that fundamentally changed the whole uh, common agricultural policy again so really huge changes over those, those years when I think about it and Maybe just to talk about the you mentioned there the, the abolishment of the quotas I suppose from a farming perspective maybe how did it impact your own farm? We had plans to be honest Keith to put in 200 cows to, to run it as a, a partnership between us and uh, we never got there until 2015 and that was from 1984 so you can see during the years when you know we were young and vigorous and uh, uh, wanting to to progress, but that really did uh, stymie us. I mean, we we leased uh, quarter and we bought quarter, but it still didn't give us the kind of impetus that we wanted. So that that did have a huge impact. But I was delighted to see that the next generation, my nephew Bill, is is managing the farm now, and I just uh, work uh, uh, as I'm able to in terms of time. But uh, he has been able to progress things, and that's I. I but uh, just enlarging that then into an industry-wide perspective, I think the abolition of quotas really has transformed uh, agriculture in general in Ireland, but specifically dairy farming. It has given young people an option to enter uh, the agri sector and become farmers and have uh, at least aspire to a, a, an income. So I think it's been hugely beneficial, and I'd hate to see. I'd, I'd hate to see a hindrance being put on that in the years ahead. I, I think the, the, the big amount of expansion has been done, but I would like to see the opportunity remaining, particularly for young people uh, who would aspire to a career and be able to milk a, a, a number of cows, whether that's 50 or 100 cows. I think there's an income to be made there. And uh, what are we better at in this country than turning grass, a, a poor quality carbohydrate, into milk 
a high quality protein. Exactly, yeah. And you mentioned Bill there, and Bill's articles obviously can be seen in the Farmers Journal every Thursday as well. And I suppose just as you mentioned there, you know, it's lovely to see young people in entering into farming as well. And I suppose you know, in the last couple of years as well, we've seen a lot of maybe people from non-agricultural uh, backgrounds coming into the agri agri sector with different area through different areas. We'll say through leasing land or even becoming you know, there's a lot of larger herds now throughout Ireland at the moment. So there's there's a great employment in terms of uh, dairy labour and dairy farm management we see there with the Chagas you know the level 7 and dairy herd management you know there's great even opportunities for for farm or for people who, do, who aren't from farming backgrounds or may who never have brought up on a farm or may have no land themselves there is opportunities there for farmers to pursue an agri related we'll, we'll say farm management job having no land Absolutely Keith and isn't it brilliant uh, that people who just have a genuine interest in working on the land working with livestock working with the soil have that opportunity. I, I got a chance last week to speak with Jim McCarthy. Now, he's a, he's a long-time farming, as long as myself, I, I suggest. But he started with, uh, down in Cork with no land, became a farm apprentice, completed that scheme, started tillage farming in Kildare, uh, uh, in, in Castle Dermot, just in Kildare, and has farmed right across the world, a very, very progressive farmer. And he's a great example of someone who was just genuinely interested in farming, and the opportunities were there to do it. Uh, and I'd like to see more of those opportunities. I, I think it brings a vigour and, and a freshness to uh, the industry. Otherwise, we just become very narrow-minded, if you like. Uh, young people and people from outside of farming. And you don't have to farm, obviously. You, you can be involved in the advisory services. You can be involved in food processing. You can be involved in, in building up a food business uh, without being in frontline farming. But the more opportunities for the more people to become involved in farming and food production, the better. It, it, it just adds vigour to the whole thing. Yeah, and just in relation, you know, you mentioned numbers there and dairy cows and, you know, the changes from of numbers, we'll say, in the past before quotas and then quotas went and that. But just in relation, you know, I suppose climate change, um, Matt, is a, is a hot topic at the moment. And just in terms of, you know, the agri-sector, you know, we see reduc reduction targets set at around the 25% by 2030. I suppose, what's your opinion on this? Is this achievable without reducing the national herd or impacting on our outputs or exports? You know, we see there the there's been a high call in terms of the, the suckler herd at the moment but numbers still remain quite similar at 908,000 uh, suckler cows uh, in, on the 1st of June at 2022 uh, while it was a decrease at 3.1% on two, 2021 figures you know can we hit those targets uh, Matt without having to reduce the herd any further? There's no point in saying that it's not going to be challenging Keith it, it is but from an international perspective, our scale in, in dairy farming or, or any other area and sector isn't particularly large. I mean, the average dairy herd is still under 100 cows. And I've always suggested that uh, there's a living to be made at 60, 70, 80 cows, particularly if there's a spouse, if the husband or wife is working off farm, there's a perfectly viable living to be made there. So it doesn't have to be about large scale. I think in terms of reaching what are now legal um, regulations you know these are these are not just aspirational targets we're going to have to hit them or the country will be hit with 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 fines i i think it's going to be extremely challenging chagas uh, have said that 21 22 percent is achievable with current technologies and i'm talking about low emission uh, slurry spreading protected urea the incorporation of clover and breeding i think uh, improving the ebi particularly from a sustainability point of view in other words 
being able to produce more with less, more kilos of uh, milk or beef uh, with, with lower inputs. And that ultimately reduces carbon. But to get to 25 or 30 percent, currently that's problematic. You're relying on, I won't call them silver bullets, but developing at best technologies, including uh, some kind of methane suppressants that can be uh, provided as part of the feed for animals. And those aren't perfected yet. And there's no long term research to de definitively say that they will work over a long period of time. So I, I think that's problematic. I also think that as uh, time moves on, there will be a greater understanding of the fact that methane as produced by our livestock is entirely different from methane produced from finite fossil fuels dug up out of the ground. You're, you're aware, Keith, of the, of the cycle. The methane from animals goes up, stays up there, and it's an intense gas, stays there for about 12 years, and then uh, breaks down uh, and, and returns to the ground where it's assimilated, taken up by grass and uh, trees and so on. There is no cycle for for uh, fossil fueled methane emissions. So I think we deserve and uh, we're entitled to believe that uh, methane from livestock should be treated differently. It, it, it's a roundabout answer, Keith, but I can't give a definitive answer that we're going to be able to reach those targets because I don't think the science has evolved enough uh, to allow it to happen. And ultimately, much will depend on the likes of the signpost programs that Chagisk is running. Much will depend on what's being achieved there and what will be achieved there in the next three, four years, on that being very, very widely adopted amongst the general farming community. And that's not happening at a pace that we require at the moment and to the extent that will be required in the next five years. It may well require a carrot and stick approach. I think there's finance uh, to support, for instance, uh, low emission spreading, slurry spreading technologies. And uh, I think that needs to be broadened in terms of encouraging farmers to adopt every possible technology. But it has to be economically sustainable as well as environmentally sustainable. Yeah, Matt, you're an agri-journalist and as a lot of people know, you're the editor of the Irish Farmers Monthly. You know, some people might say that, you know, some elements of the mainstream media give uh, the agri-sector a hard time in relation to emissions. And you've, you know, you've mentioned in, in fair detail there the, the, the methane cycle and that. You know, what is the best way of counteracting this message maybe to the general public? I think, I think there has to be more buy-in by farmers to, to inform themselves, first of all, about the good story that we have to tell, that we're generally relatively low-intensive in, low uh, farmers, uh, that we're producing products that are wanted across the globe. And I'll instance just what was always a, a common or garden product, Irish butter. Grass-produced butter is fundamentally different than the butter produced from confined herds, whether it's in the United States or Germany or wherever. And that's being reflected in the fact that we have a huge market now for butter in Germany, have had for a number of years, but also increasingly so in the United States, where uh, grass-fed butter is regarded as a, as a prime product, not, a, not just a, a bog-standard um, uh, food to put, on, to put on bread or whatever, but it's, it's recognized now as a premium product. And I think that's the market we have to aspire to. How to get the message across? It is difficult because you do, and it's something I detest, you do get headline figures about industrial farming. I, I, I don't think those people that use that word understand 
uh, the scale of Irish production and how it compares to what is industrial scale, if you like, in the likes of the United States or South America, uh, where you have thousands and thousands of uh, cattle and uh, dairy cows on single lots and uh, intensively managed and with uh, all the feed brought onto those onto those farms. You know, we've got nothing like that. We graze for almost 300 days a year. So I, I think we've got a niche uh, farming system and we've got niche products in terms of, of, of global uh, scale, like butter, for instance, and like Irish grass-fed beef. And I think we have to we have to promote those as much as we can. And a lot of the time, it'll be down to individual farmers informing themselves and promoting our farming systems in, on that basis. I, uh, to be honest, I, there was a time when I would have suggested that social media could assist us in that. Now I'm a bit more sceptical. I, I, I don't engage much anymore. It's, it tends to be a medium for all kinds of extremists to get involved and to say things and criticise people in a manner that they wouldn't do to people's face. And I, I, I think that's objectionable and it's negative. I do think that the likes of your radio program, the likes of the Farmers Monthly, the Farmers Journal, what I'd call the, 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 the classic media outlets, will still have a role to play in promoting all the positive aspects of Irish farming. And uh, fine, people want to engage on, on social media, but I would try to steer away from uh, just throwing muck at each other. That serves no useful purpose. Are you positive about the future of the agri-sector, Matt? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we've come a long way even in the last half decade. Yes, there are challenges, particularly, Keith, around water quality and particularly around our area of the country, more so than, than over in the northwest or the western, or the western part of the country. Uh, down in the southeast and the south, there are issues with water quality which will have to uh, be solved and have to be improved. And there's there's every reason to believe that will happen. The ASAP program, which works in cooperation with farmers who adjoin waterways and such, I think that's showing some positive, some improvements in water quality, particularly in this region, in the Kilkenny Carlow region. And I think if that can be adopted more widely and that we can improve water quality, I think we'll go an awful long way towards bringing the general public and the consumer with us. Matt, agriculture aside, you're uh, a Kilkenny man. Uh, we're lucky in Galway here. We have another Kilkenny hurling legend over the Galway team. We see Mikey Butler getting Young Hurler of the Year. Are Kilkenny going to give a, a big comeback this year? Ah, uh, wouldn't I? Wouldn't? Wouldn't? Wouldn't we all love it? But uh, you know, it, we're only as good as the opposition, and uh, you, we're going to need Galway there as well to test us or retest Galway, whichever way it'll work out. And the likes of Wexford and that need to need to step up again, uh, and, and Dublin, of course, with our huge peak. But I would love to see us in another All Ireland. We probably need three or four more top class players, and. I think there's some young people coming through in Kilkenny. I'm not as familiar with Galway, obviously, but I, I think there's some, a few more young people coming through in Kilkenny that will add that little bit extra that might get us over the line. But I'm sure Galway will have something to say about that. Matt O'Keefe, it was a pleasure having you on Country Life. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks very much. You're more than welcome. Take care. Country Life, brought to you by Your Credit Union. Renovate. Your credit union is the foundation to your home renovations. 
Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply. So next up on Country Life, we have Tom Murphy. So Tom works as a dairy advisor with Chagas. So Tom, just a quick question maybe uh, and give some give our listeners an insight into the, the dairy figures. In terms of the national dairy herd and the main types of systems that are operated in Ireland, you know, what numbers are we talking about here? Okay, the, um, I suppose round figures, there's about 17,000 dairy herds across the country. And the average size of herds in our neck of the woods, in the Galway Clare general region, would be about 80 in, in herd size. Uh, they are mostly spring calving herds as well. So there's a very small proportion of herds in this country that aren't spring calving. They would be supplying liquid milk uh, for use all year round. And even in those herds, the majority of the cows and most of those herds would be calving in the springtime. And in, in recent years, maybe up to 80 or 90% of them will be calving in the months of February and March. You mentioned um, spring calving herds there. You know, drying off is an activity or maybe a task, you know, that most spring calving herds will have to do in the coming weeks, if not done so already, or maybe with, with heifers or that. What is drying off and why is it done? So uh, I suppose uh, drying off would be something that uh, youngsters working on dairy farms would be looking forward to this time of the year. Uh, the cows themselves get a chance, a, a bit of downtime over the what we call the dry period, and the youngsters get uh, maybe a month or two months off from milking cows uh, on their home farm. So what the drying off uh, uh, refers to is the finishing up of lactation of the dairy cow. It gives our other a chance to just dry up, and the system a chance to rejuvenate the other for the next, the coming lactation. So typically the cows will calve down. Uh, in this country, they're bred calf down every 12 months. And if they calved last February, they should be calving again this February coming. And they should have a 10 to 12 week dry period, ideally. Uh, maybe the longer period for tenor cows or very young cows, for lactation cows. And where is the science and technology at now in relation to the uh, drying off town? Well, I suppose the science and technology uh, gave the dairy farmer uh, this wonderful belt and braces uh, approach to preventing infection, or sorry, to curing infection uh, in the cows at the end of lactation and preventing infection during the dry period in that uh, the antibiotic tube was developed. So a tube would be infused into each quarter of the cow, uh, would cure up, t- typically cure up any latent disease that might be in the other and prevent anything uh, untoward happening during the dry period so the cow would calf down fre- with a fresh, clean uh, other to uh, produce milk for the coming year. So that's where it was at, uh, Keith. Uh, science has uh, evolved since, of course, and we're, a lot of us will be aware of antimicrobial resistance and the overuse of antibiotics, uh, both on maybe at farms and in the human medicine. And a new approach was developed and a team of people in the industry and our own profession would have come together a number of years back to uh, build a better strategy for dairy farmers. And they came up with this selective dry cow therapy, which works very well on dairy farms. And from from January this year, uh, legislation has changed and regulation uh, has come in in the treatment of uh, the drying off procedure for dairy, for dairy cows, which says that you can only use an antibiotic uh, tube to dry off cows if it's absolutely necessary and you use them as little as possible. So 
antibiotic tubes are necessary where there's already latent disease in the cows because otherwise you're going to have a cow that's going to get uh, very sick and uh, if, she, if she survives the period of sickness uh, in her dry period, she certainly won't be able to produce milk the following year. Uh, you can't just use them as a blanket approach anymore to prevent a disease that might happen during the dry period, though. And, Tom, you know, uh, vets, farmers, advisors, uh, there's a lot of people, AHI, working together. What is the vet's role in, in the relation to the Selector Dry Cow Therapy Programme? Yeah, so the team of professionals that would have come together and would have uh, uh, rolled out a number of uh, events, uh, typically in this time of the year, over the past three, four, maybe five years at this stage, uh, where all dairy farmers will get a chance to learn uh, about this new selective dry cow therapy would have involved vets as well as uh, co-op, uh, co-op uh, milk quality technicians and uh, there would also have been uh, industry vets from Animal Health Ireland and ourselves of course in Chagas running those out. Uh, the vets role uh, would be that it's been agreed that every dairy farmer who's milk recording and who signs up to the Animal Health Ireland programme uh, would be entitled to a free veterinary consultation. So the veterinary consultation uh, would involve a, a visit from your local vet and we'll look at maybe five areas on your farm. Typically, they analyse the milk recording data for the year gone by and have a look at what was happening at, at herd level and on an individual cow level. Uh, would take time out to observe maybe the farmer drying off the first two to three cows just to check out the actual routine and procedure of the dairy farmer or the technician that was carrying out the drying off for the farmer. Uh, we'll discuss the whole area of dry cow management, the, uh, both before, during, and uh, where the cow is going to be housed maybe or kept over the dry period. Uh, fourth area would have been looking at ICBF and farm records, and uh, which will give, uh, I suppose, in conjunction with the milk recording data, a picture of the other health of each cow, uh, as well as the herd health, I suppose, the herd or other health. Um, and finally, I suppose, drawing up an agreed treatment plan for cows. In other words, selecting out cows that would be suitable uh, for use uh, for use of a sealer instead of an antibiotic dry cow tube. Okay, and you mentioned dry cow management there, Tom. You know, uh, how important is this and what should farmers be looking at? Okay, so the dry cow management would uh, would uh, look at the whole uh, area of management of the dairy herd uh, on a farm-by-farm farm basis. So on an, an individual farm, it's how, where the cow is being kept and the milking procedure, the milking facilities, the gathering facilities, the roadways on the lead into the parlour, uh, the collecting yard, uh, and uh, the area at this time of the year how cows would be housed because of weather conditions. Uh, and the whole environment in the housing. Uh, in particular, in the run-up to drying off, uh, but especially for the two weeks post-drying off and the cows, uh, when she would be at her most vulnerable because she still has the will to produce milk, so she'll have a, another that wants to produce milk and uh, will often have leaky teats or uh, milk dripping, which if milk can leak out, then infection can also enter up into the teat canals and uh, cause infection in the other. Uh, but also during full during the full dry period where the cow is going to be housed. So ideally, the environment should be dry, should be clean, dry, and airy. 
So in other words, the opposite type of an environment where bugs would like to uh, develop. And you mentioned, um, you know, the the actual, we'll say the drying off process. So that's the dry cow management, you know, before and maybe after the drying off period uh, process. Could you give us a, little, a brief view or um, a brief um, actions on how, in, in fact, farmers do actually dry off the, the cows, Tom? Okay, so with drying off, uh, it's a, it involves quite a, a bit of expertise, which farmers tend to build up over the years. Uh, preparation is key when it comes to the actual physical process of drying off the cows and the preparation could start a few weeks before drying is required. Uh, so some operations should be carried out maybe uh, weeks in advance. So ideally all t- tails should be clipped and any excessive hair or dirt removed from the cows other areas. Um, preparation would also involve planning and selecting cows for drying and on particular dates. So they should be dried in groups and that should be uh, planned in advance. Uh, Cows getting sealers only should be uh, calculated in advance and they should be dried out and dried off in a separate group uh, and on a different day to a group of cows that are treated with antibiotics. So there's no mixing up of tubes or uh, getting it wrong. Uh, As well as that, uh, the whole whole area of of, setting out the physical uh, aids and essentials that should be worked out in advance and set up on maybe on a clean table or in a an area an office area maybe attached to the dairy or parlor uh, would include things like clean apron box of disposable latex gloves surgical spirit cheap wipes cotton wool uh, paper towels all of those play a part of course you need good mark and spray typically the, the spray that's used for tail painting works well to mark the cows with cows that are selected for uh, uh, treatment. Uh, a marking tape can be used as well on cows' tails. So uh, record keeping being essential. All these aids are also essential. Little things that you might overlook uh, on the day, like ma- reading glasses, a headlight can be very useful. Even a thing like a builder's belt to put the tubes into. Uh, and the relevant tubes, be the antibiotic tubes, or just the sealers only. They should all be left ready in advance. So uh, again, preparation is key. So poor outcomes would really have resulted uh, where too many cows are dried off together by a single operator. So uh, the actual preparation on the day or ahead of the day that the group of cows is going to be dried would be important as well. Cows should be milked in the morning uh, as normal and the cows for drying off selected, uh, selected and the other cows let go. Now. The select the collecting yard should be obviously clean, and following milking, the parlour should be washed down, and uh, we would recommend then as well the farmer go take a breakfast, and whatever operators have plenty of help on hand, that they that they have a good breakfast and a bit and take your time when you're come back to do the drying process. Um, the process of infusing the tubes then takes a lot of patience and skill as well, and above all else, uh, I. Uh, hygiene needs to be to the fore. So teeth ends needs to be spotless, hence your methylated spirits your, uh, and your wipes and so on. Uh, a less than thorough approach will result in doing the opposite of what you want because it's very easy to introduce infection when you're infusing tubes up into uh, cow's teeth. Uh, sealer tubes then need to be just kept in the teeth canal so they're not, they're not massaged up past the uh, end of the 
the teat. They have to be kept to seal the the teat itself. Whereas if you have to use antibiotics, it's it's the opposite. They need to be pushed up and uh, massaged well into the other. So again, you need to be clear of what you're doing, the type of tube you're using, and what you're doing. Uh, a clockwise approach then is recommended. And again, with the Animal Health Ireland program and the events that would have been carried, would have been um, held at farm level would demonstrate to farmers the best technique and method to use to keep uh, cows' teeth clean and to prevent contaminating them as you're infusing the tubes. So you follow a clockwise order around the teeth for cleaning and disinfecting them and an anti-clockwise uh, motion uh, uh, when you're going around putting up the tubes. Uh, and follow on that then, where the, when the cows are being let out, they need to be let out into a clean, dry paddock, ideally for two weeks, or if they have to be housed, again, as I would have said earlier, make sure they're put back into uh, a very clean, dry, airy shed that's where uh, it's seen to at least twice a day to make sure that everything is kept as it should. And finally, uh, make sure that the farmer should be making sure he keeps uh, accurate records, because the last thing you want is to be contaminating the bulk tank of milk through... Uh, uh, recording the wrong cows and so on. Very good. And just, Tom, you know, what should dairy farmers be focusing on during the dry cow period, maybe for the year ahead? Well, I suppose uh, at this time of the year, uh, it's going to be the downtime for the farmer as well as for the cows. Uh, it's a good time of the year to be getting your soil samples. Uh, in some in some cases, it's regulation demands that nowadays that you do a series of soil sampling. If you're, if you're farming at above 130 kgs of organic nitrogen per hectare uh, this year, then you will not be allowed to apply chemical phosphorus next year unless you have soil results to show that you, your soil needs it. It's a good time of the year to be putting lime out, uh, and it's a good time of the year as well to maybe to revise your own uh, knowledge of environmental requirements because, as we all know, they have changed dramatically over the past year or two. And uh, it's it's uh, it's very important that you understand what the demands are made of you as a dairy farmer now. Uh, you should be putting dockets together for your meal and fertilizer dockets uh, to do your record sheets for this year so your advisor will have them handy. And uh, it's also the time of the year you should be planning for the year coming to try and get as much out of next year as you possibly can, that you'd have the optimum herd size, stocking rate, uh, a labour force in place, whether it's your own family labour or if you're employing help from time to time. And uh, the modern dairy farmer will want to ha make sure that their plan involves having a good lifestyle themselves out of it as well, that they're not a slave to it. And uh, finally, I suppose, to evaluate, to plan that ahead, you'll have to evaluate where you're at this year. And the way to do that is to do your financial accounts, put them together, do it. There's a profit monitor program there that we run and uh, the dairy groups we operate, they'll, they will carry out their analysis and uh, have a benchmark for themselves to see where where dairy farmers at are at and where they are at in their costs and their performances on their own farm. So that would be it in a nutshell, I'd say, Keith. 
very good plenty to keep them going in the dry period there is indeed thanks very much Tom uh, Dairy Advisor with Chagas and Athen Rice that's Tom Murphy so that's it for this week on Country Life we hope you've enjoyed the show and if there are any queries about this week's topic or if you'd like a topic covered next week uh, please don't hesitate to email us at countrylife at galwaybfm.ie that's countrylife at galwaybfm.ie and I'll get back to you so until next Tuesday at 7 o'clock have a lovely evening and next up is Melodies with Valerie Hughes followed by The Night Fly with Donald Mahan You're listening to Country Life with Keith Fahey on Galway Bay FM 103.9.